Hi, everybody. I'm Jack. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, so I've got 11 minutes instead of 20. That's even better. That's double as good. Um, for those, I mean, most everybody knows me. I've been around for this week is 40 years. And uh, it's so weird. I so looked up when I came to Beverly Hills High School on January 5th, 1982 at the people with like four years, five years, six years. There weren't a lot of big numbers because I guess it started in about 60. So there were 22 years before, but there were only about I don't know, 10 men, and 10, five men and 10 women that I looked around the rooms and they were like long term. Okay, talk louder. So uh, when I came, my history real quick is my top weight is 305 and I liked losing the weight so much that I lost it and gained it back a few times and it was so much fun. And I lost 100 pounds each time between six and eight or nine months because A, when you're fat, when you're male and fat and um, active, you can lose a lot of weight real quick and you have a lot of weight to lose, you can lose quickly. Uh, the problem was, I thought the weight was the problem, really. And what I'm thinking about in retrospect was, uh, I was a fat little kid and always felt different. I had flabby, uh, flabby body parts that didn't seem to jive with the other little boys my age. M more like the little girls my age, but not the little boys. And uh, very embarrassed that I couldn't do, I was an athlete at heart, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't put it into practice. I mean, I was a first baseman because that's where they put the slow and fat guys. Uh, except the ones that had guts and they put them at catcher and the ones with even less talent than me played in right field. And so uh, I played first base. Oh, it helped that my father was the manager. So I got to play. Uh, but otherwise I might not have. And in elementary school, the, 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 the anguish of going in there every day knowing you never know when they're going to ask you to run around the field. And the boys ran around the field and the girls ran around the field and then there was the equivalent of what was later to become corrective P.E., and those were the broken arms, broken legs, broken spirits, broken personalities, broken minds, and fat guys. And so I'd sit off to the side, and their logic was, just don't hurt yourself. If you put your uh, underwear on right, that's great. And if you don't, don't worry. Don't hurt yourself. And so those monkey bars and all that stuff were just sources of such shame and stomach aches and lying to my parents and, and all that. Then I went to middle school and it got exponentially worse because the numbers were bigger, the boobs were bigger, the uh, times of nakedness in front of other people was greater, and it was just total humiliation every day, every minute. Uh, I had a thing about the bathroom. I was afraid or I didn't like, I was embarrassed to go to the bathroom in public, so I faked a stomachache so I could go to the nurse's office because they have a little private room. And uh, that was better. And then the shit hit the fan. I mean, again, I come from such a normal, boring, West Side, uh, Jewish, middle class family of the 50s. Uh, my dad worked for the Defense Department. He was an accountant. My mother was a mother. Uh, my sister was tall, thin, blonde, and, um, you know, had no problems. And I was a mess inside and loud and big and overpowering and controlling and obnoxious and just a drain and uh, on my mother and on myself. My father had a little more patience and tolerance, but my mom was angry a lot. She hit me too often. And then she got sick. We went to uh, uh, Reno, Tahoe, Lake Tahoe in 1966. She came back with a cold. 
I was with her when she went to Permanente behind the Rexall drugs on La Cienica right over here and, uh, and uh, Beverly. And uh, six months later, she died. And I didn't know she was dying, and she didn't know she was dying, and my sister didn't know, and my dad ran the show because it was his money and his insurance. So uh, I didn't know. And one day, I became the only kid at Fairfax High School with a dead parent. So, I mean, nobody, had a, nobody talked about that because there weren't, I mean, there wasn't like a group. Uh, Virginia Uribe started Project 10 right around that, uh, soon thereafter, for gay LGBTQ kids, and it was a support group. But there was no support. I, I, was the, I didn't know anybody with a dead parent. I knew people with dead grandparents and with dead cats and dogs and fish and goldfish, lots of goldfish, um, for, the, uh, for the pet uninclined. Um, but then, it was, and my dad drank for like two or three years after that, and he never before, never after. But he was worthless. He'd go to work, he'd come home, he'd drink, he'd cry, he'd go to sleep, he'd wake up and he'd start again. So my sister and I didn't get along. My dad was a good guy who was just lost, and my mom was gone. And so next thing I knew, I, I, and I was happy and loud and big, and get to, uh, got to UCLA and I hit 305, and I started to get on a campaign. So I went on my third, I think, 100-pound diet, and before I was done with the first year at UCLA, I was normal size, 180, 190, 170 or something, and uh, everything was different, everything was good. All I wanted in life, all I wanted was to be thin, have a girlfriend, have a briefcase and a car and a new suit. That's all I aspired to be. Is this, I wanted to look like somebody. I didn't care that I didn't feel like somebody. I didn't care that I didn't live like somebody. I wanted to look like somebody. White collar, Jewish, professional. That was imperative. So I graduated in three years. I was very rushed and I ate. And all I remember about certain times of those three years is that uh, the, the uh, Sunday mornings, I'd go to the, one of the libraries and I'd sit in my car for an hour to read the paper. And then I'd go to the uh, machines, the little room with all the machines, and get sandwiches that were made Friday with uh, bologna and mustard and cheese sitting there for two days, um, hopefully refrigerated. And that's what I remember about studying. So I graduated real quickly at UCLA. People had said, what's your hurry? And I joked about it like I joked about everything else. And then I went to law school, the uh, obligatory 13th, uh, no, it's 11th commandment of many offshoots of Judaism. Thou must go to law school. So I went to law school. And very soon thereafter, I was up 100 pounds again. And I was drinking vodka and I was stealing Valium from my father, who was stealing them from my mother, who was dead. So um, it's a family disease at many levels. I graduated law school and I crashed. I could not go on one more minute. I did run out of gas literally one time over in that golf course over here on Pico. And I, I'm on an incline like this and I, nothing. My dad would call it the koyach, the Jewish, Yiddish word meaning strength. I didn't have the strength to have my car. When I graduated law school, I ran out of gas. I couldn't do it. Didn't take the bar. And that is a real affront to a Jewish family who just paid for three years of law school. And I was back to 100 and, uh, 280 pounds. And I floundered for four or five years trying things with the self-esteem of a walnut. The only jobs I interviewed for were in the LA Times under sales with no requirements. You had to be alive, maybe breathing, uh, maybe not. <laughs> but I tried life insurance a few times in different uh, companies. And finally, 1982 New Year's, right around this time, 
uh, I had nothing. I couldn't keep a job in the insurance business anymore. I was about to drown out of that business. I couldn't keep a relationship going. I was drowning out of that. Dating, but drowning. I couldn't guarantee my weight or my pants size would be the same for more than an hour or two. And um, then I got here. So what's been happening for the last 40 years? Because of the God I didn't know existed and I didn't believe existed, God doing for me what I could not have done for myself, acknowledging in the first step, now I've got to rush, acknowledging in the first step uh, powerlessness and second step coming to believe in something, higher power within me, that if accessed and honored would allow me to function at a higher level than I've ever functioned before. And then turn it over and turn it over and turn it over. I've written three fourth steps in this program and uh, one in uh, the graduate school program. Uh, um, I prayed a lot in six and seven to have all this shit just removed. I've read those things to uh, three different sponsors, one of whom now tells me that in Minnesota I'm famous because he goes to AA meetings because he's a sober alcoholic and he tells people about the time he had a sponsee in Los Angeles whose fourth step was so boring that when he read it to him in the parking lot at Dolores' on Santa Monica Boulevard, not only did he, the sponsor, fall asleep, he swears that I, the reader, fell asleep reading my own fourth step. And my length, longtime sponsor since then will affirm that uh, I can put together quite a list of meaningless dialogue verbally and in writing. Um, I've made the list of people I have harmed. I've cleaned up everything I've been told to. I recently wrote that my current sponsor uh, uh, surprised me and I was grateful for when a few years ago I went over some amends I thought I had to make. And upon review with him, he didn't see it that way. And he said, all you got to do is uh, live right, make living amends in the universe, and don't stir up that old shit. There's no value to them or anybody else. And, I mean, I wouldn't have gone there on my own because I'm not, I don't like being that sort of, uh, just, you know, the easier, softer way. But if I sign that from a sponsor, I'll, I'll take it. I'm not an idiot. Um, ten step is I try. Um, I since have a 40-year career that is just now beginning to, uh, again, thrive as I'm old enough to retire. Uh, I'm 21 years married almost, you know, which is impossible. In a and so, uh, and my life works today. Uh, prayer and meditation, 11th step. Not as organized and ritualized as I'd like it to be, but I do it and it works. And 12 step stuff, I mean, uh, I was kind of hurt after I suggested I give up the speaking thing today to, to Tara because she's not always in town. And yet it was the right thing to do and then I felt weird and then it didn't work, it worked out fine. But it always works out fine. And so if I live in recovery and I live in the, uh, in the spirituality of what this program is really about. And, oh, and by the way, I've kept off 120 pounds for 40 years. And that's icing on the cake. It's not irrelevant because that's what got me here. But it's not what my life is about today. Uh, so I'll wait for the questions on the rest. But if you're here and you're new, please keep coming back. And great miracles happen here. And don't quit before yours. So thanks. You keep speaking, you can't. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Okay, thank you. I'm Terrell, I'm a compulsive overeater. Hey, Terrell. Um, and on Thursday, I had uh, 40, well, I have 43 years of abstinence, so. Uh, most people in this room know me. I almost feel like it's like, every time I'm telling my story, I should just tell you what's going on with me now. So I answer all the questions, you know, like. What's going on with you? Where have where, where you been? Um, but I will tell you real quick that my top weight is somewhere around 325 pounds. 
Um, my bottom is that I was um, uh, 30 pounds more than I weigh now. I mean, th uh, uh, 30 pounds heavier than my bottom weight. And I, my bottom was I was willing to sacrifice my eyesight for chocolate because I was told by a doctor that I'd be blind within a year if I didn't stop, like, stop eating sugar. Um, my last binge is two pieces of toast, which I think is, uh, needs to be said because I'm hopelessly addicted to sugar and flour. And so when I ate toast on January 5th, 1979, I uh, saw my donuts and I'm a donut junkie, so I went to go get my donuts and got scared and started praying, saying, God, please help me. I can't do it one more time. And that one more time was not had nothing to do with weight because I believe the first time we come to the program, the first absence can be for some silly-ass reason, um, whether to get a man, whether to lose weight, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But once we know about program, we, we can maintain absence if we want what absence offers us, which is the serenity of sanity, not, not weight loss. Because, has, I mean, as Jack said, he's like, you know, lost 100 pounds. I mean, like, it's literally, this is not, I mean, it's a weight loss program because we come in here because we have a food issue. Um, we use food to code our feelings and to solve the problem, which we think the problem is that I know I'm bored, I know I, I'm emotional, I don't know, you know, whatever. We use food to take care of that, these emotions and pains. And then we realize when we come into the program and been here for a while, we go like, yeah, it's, it's my thinking that made me think I should, that food was the solution. It's not that food was, there's something, there's nothing inherently in food that makes the, make that a solution and that's the problem. Because you see people with impunity and it's, they don't have a problem with it. So it's my thinking that makes me think that food was the answer to my problems. And so I, so that's, when I said I can't do it one more time, it had to do with just, I cannot be insane for another another day, another, like just the mishigash of all that. It's like craziness. And so, I believe that's one of the reasons I'm still abstinent. Um, my absence for the first 18, 19 years was three meals a day, nothing between, no flour, no sugar. Um, I started taking HIV medicine, it was tearing my gut, and I was, like, when I could eat, I could eat, when I couldn't, I couldn't, and so it's like, I talked to my sponsor, and she said, listen, if, if I can eat, I'm going to eat, if I, if I can't eat, then I won't eat. And so that, I let go of the three meal a day restriction, but my absence still is no sugar and no flour. Um, which, I mean, let's, let's be clear, it's, it's called recreational sugar and recreational flour because Lord knows I, ha I eat meatballs, which probably has some flour in it, but it's like I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's not like I consciously sought out those type of foods. I, I, like, you know, if I, uh, <laughs> I once listened to a fourth step and my sponsee was giving me uh, soda and during the, I was getting, feeling kind of weird and crazy during this and, and kind of find out she was giving me uh, Pepsi free, which meant caffeine free, not sugar free. So, you know, it's not like, oh my God, I broke my absence because I, I drank this. I mean, my sponsor gave me soda and it wasn't like, oh my gosh, like I broke my absence. Like I did not consciously seek out that food. Um, so um, I find it interesting, like um, when I came to program, um, I was uh, the second time around, I was like just had graduated from college. And I got a job as a on a at a furniture store, three days a week delivering furniture and two days a week selling furniture. And I had to gra graduate with honors from uh, sociology um, because I was not worthy. And I I I I was not worthy. 
period. I mean, and that was one of those things where, like, I was a quiet child. I'm from this dysfunctional family. I'm just not worthy. I'm just, I, you know, I am breathing your air, and I felt it, and I knew what that meant, that I was breathing your air, and program has changed all that. Um, program has given me the, the, the capability just to stand with my head high, my shoulders back, breathing, and just really relishing in life. And I think that's what program can offer us. It's like, literally, it's not like, you know, where we either we're blustering, we're going like, you know, screw you, blah, 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 or we're like hunkered down and just like with the shades blind and the, and the telephone turned off. Like, no, I'm living in fear. And program has enabled me to, to shine. Um, I mean, you know, 43 years, you, you literally, we could take, I mean, it could take forever to talk about what's happened in 43 years. But anyway, like I said, I should probably just kind of come to current. Um, I am 66 years old. Um, I am looking at retiring in the next few years. I have bought a condo in Mexico, in Puerto Vallarta. I have an amazing view from my, from my condo. Um, I, my, I live in the South Tower. My brother and his sister-in-law lives in the North Tower. My brother's a compulsive overeater. He says he's absent because he doesn't eat sugar and flour. And I get to see him eat dinner. And I get to see him, that click that goes. And I get to see him be where he has to be right. And I get to see a compulsive reader in full view of my face who's not eating sugar and flour. But so that's where I get to, that's where I get to see how the program is, works, right? I get to see, like, oh, right, it's just not sugar and flour. It's, it's about that, like, Where's the waiter? Right? I need to order like my. I'm not. Well, when you make my food, you got to do this, this, and this. You got to do like it's like this maniacal way that we get when we get around food, and I get to see that click. And I, you know, that click when it's like when you go, like you're fine, he's fine, and then he walks in the restaurant and click, and it's like whoa, or like it can even be like at home, click, and it's just like wow, that's me. That's me without program. And I, I, you know, so I have this, I mean, have this wonderful, fabulous life. I get to live with my brother's compulsive overeater and his, his Mexican wife. And um, I just like, I don't know. I mean, and I don't want to say gift of the program because I once was, went, was at Serenity Sunday and all these women got to say gift of the program. I got married, gift of the program. I got married, gift of the program. I got married. Maybe I didn't understand what they were talking about. Because I said there's nowhere in my big book does it say that I'm going to get married. There's no one. There's none. There's no gift that says, "Hey, you're you're going to have this amazing relationship." As a matter of fact, I've been single pretty much my entire life, and I, that means I'm on that campus or I'm in that boy meet girl campus of AA. I get to be the single person who gets to be of more service, which is like, oh, that's the consola- consolation prize. Like, okay. So, but you know what? I mean, I, ha- I have now come to embrace and, and love my life, and I'm single. And for years, I bemoaned the fact that I was not in a relationship. That program has helped me ch- deal with that. Like, oh, what is wrong with me? I mean, I, I went to therapy, going asking the therapist, well, the reason why I went to therapy is like, am I too sick to be in a relationship, or am I too well to be in a relationship? <laughs> right? And the therapist said, why are you doing this black and white thinking? That's the compulsive overeater. There's much of, it's like, okay, that's the black and white. Like, there are two, it's like, maybe once you just be who you are today and then you find out. 
Did you? <laughs> uh, and so um, I'm back here in LA. I'm, I'm not letting go of my apartment because it's rent control. Why would I let go of a fabulous rent control apartment? I've been in in in, uh, in for since 1997, right in West Hollywood. Like, am I? I'm not stupid. <laughs> um, and so I, I I'm now like I mean it's just my life is truly blessed. And also, the, I get to look at the joys of the pandemic, the benefit of the pandemic, which, I mean, if you, if you had a family member who died and I had a friend who died, that's horrible. But program has taught me to always look to the bright. Because as a compulsive reader, I can focus in the dark real quick and real easy. And that is our natural, I feel like our natural state to go to the deep, dark, like, oh, you know, like, Poor me, woe is the world, oh my God, like, why is God doing this to me? I'm a victim of life. And, and so I, I always have to go looking for the positive in things, because if I don't, I will slip into that slippery slope of like, oh, life is shitty. Life is like, oh, poor me. And I, I grew up with poor me. I mean, I, I, I have that the disease that says, I do not want to excel and be happy. Because if I'm, a, if I'm happy today as an adult, then that negates all that horrible childhood I had. And so therefore, I'd rather be miserable than to make it open to give you a pass on the fact that I was treated poorly as a child. And that, I mean, and if, if you think about that, but that's, that's the disease, that's the compulsive reader brain that I have. And so, I had this wonderful, fabulous life. I'm going to be in L.A. for a few a few months. I'm supposed to go skiing in two weeks, which, you know, I mean, if 300 plus pounds, I could not do that. I mean, it's it's just amazing. Now, I mean, do I have a perfect body? No, I'm 66 years old. I've always, I have 325, 325 pounds. I have skin that should, that's not supposed to be there. You know, I've got, uh, I had, my, I was nicknamed or my, my brother and my, nephew, I mean, my cousin called me pointed titties as a boy because, you know, I had man boobs because when you weigh 325 pounds, the fat's got to go somewhere. And so it couldn't go just in one spot, so it went all over my body. So all those things are things that I've had to deal with, right? All those things are things that that program has enabled me to do, to to talk to people, to write inventories, to to come to meetings. Is that time up? So... Um, so I, I don't know if I answer what's going on with me, but I'm glad to be back in L.A. and I'll be here for a while unless I have to go back to Mexico to close on some properties again. But, you know, bottom line is, here I am. So Thanks, Jeff. Okay. Oh, this is time for questions only. There's no sharing this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Overs Anonymous and not ours of Overs as a whole. When asking questions you need to identify, please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Uh, I will be sick of question. Okay. Uh, hi, man. Um, my question is, you know, so I guess both of you guys said something like 40, 20 years of abstinence. Um, what, is, what strength experience and hope do you have as a company as a young person? Well, I was already old when I got here. Um, <laughs> I was 29 and a half, so I wasn't that old. I, I wasn't that old. I wasn't that old. I thought I was old. The question was, oh, any advice to the newcomer uh, in the context of um, uh, experience coming in young? 
the only thing I want to suggest to you is that you have a chance to write your write, not even rewrite, the second and, and third act. And so um, it's, it all sits before us like this. And I had to accept the fact that at 30, with two failed careers, that I could have this. And I didn't believe it was possible. I was talking to a guy in the Starbucks I was at this morning who I found out only in the last few days. His daughter uh, came out at 14. She was in drug and rehab. And, and he gets it, even though he's not in a program. And he said, you talk about hope with your clients, uh, with my work, but also in the program. You talk about hope, right? And I told him about my stupid dreidel story, which is I wear a dreidel. And it's very outside issue. I'm sorry, outside issue. I wear a medallion of a religion that in their language has the letters of four-word phrase that in their language says the great miracle happened here. And I think that recovery, sobriety, abstinence, weight loss maintenance, getting a relationship with a higher power, and living in the abundance that really is available to all of us is a fucking miracle. It doesn't happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know for whom it's going to happen. Uh, we don't know, they don't have to be too, they have to be rich, you have to be smart, you have to be pretty. No, no, and no. These, these, these miracles are happening every day and they're not zero sum. Every one of us can have them. It's not like if I get it, you can't. He taught me, uh, he can and I can. And in recovery, that's the, that's the only collective systemic victory is that we can all have it. So there's nothing but hope even when at times it doesn't feel that way. That's the truth, if you can learn to embrace it. Yeah. So I came in when I was 17 the first time, and I wasn't ready. Because, you know, it was 17. I, I, if a teenager can come in and get it, that's friggin' amazing. But it was, like, it was like still too much like, it's them, not me. They're the problem. Inside of God, eat, eat some more. So when I came in the second time, I was, um, what, I guess I was 23? 23? I do the math. 78, yeah, 23. Um, and all I can say is that for someone who's young, it feels like you're giving up your life. It feels like you might be going like, like, why can't I go out and play with everybody else? Why can't I be like them? Why can't I like, I mean, I used to complain that said, like for the first five something set to maybe 10 years, all I do is I sit in OA meetings. That's all I, I like, why can't I go have that life that I see my other friends and other people do? Which is like, poor me. But the thing is that the amazing thing by me doing that is I built the foundation. Because the foundation is very important. So now when you're young, you're building the foundation. And trust me, the things that I was like, like why can't I go part do that when I was 24, 25? I did when I was 30. But I was so obstinate. I was so, I mean, I was... Like present for it, so you get to enjoy this wonderful life that that you might be regretting at when that you don't have now. But the bottom line is, stay abstinent because it does get better. Life keeps getting better, and so yes, there are certain things I go like, well, why didn't you know? Why didn't I didn't get to have ten years of binging, right? <laughs> like I I didn't get to binge till I was forty, which is kind of a when you, it's kind of a backward thing, but you go like, oh my God, you went to these, all these, and you banished around the world. Like, yeah, I didn't do that, but I stayed abstinent, and I was in meetings. So that's the thing I would say that as a young person, hang in there. 
And don't, don't begrudge the fact that you came in young and don't begrudge the fact that you might be missing out because you won't be. You won't be. And time comes by. I just watched something once I was talking. My biggest joy in the 70s, I think, in all my life was to get together a group of guys and go to a Dodger game and eat and drink. And then I got the program. The first summer of 1982, in that summer, I got together with four or five guys from the program. We all brought our little brown bags with chicken breast and, and celery stalks and apple slices. And by the fourth inning, I think, we looked at each other. And all of us were baseball lovers. We looked at each other and said, let's get out of here. This is, this is a boring sport, now made more boring. Now, one of the biggest joys I've gotten in my life is I go to the Dodger game. And I go with friends, I go with my wife occasionally, or I go alone. I don't go anywhere alone. I go alone. And I sit there, and uh, I eat a hot dog. And I don't eat peanuts, and I don't eat ice cream, and I don't drink beer. And I stay as long as I want, and I enjoy every second of what I see. And when I'm done, I leave. And so I thought I had to give up baseball. I had to give up. I didn't have to give up anything. And the few foods I don't eat, people said, 40 years of no sugar, no this, don't you... Honestly, God, to the best of my knowledge, I don't miss a goddamn thing. And if you want to see how much enthusiasm I have about eating, join me on any, join me on a meal. You touch my chicken, I'll stick a fork in your hand. Because I love my food with the same fervor I used to. It's just cleaner food, healthier food, and a, and a, and a, and a better internal state. So, yeah. Thank you, uh, gentlemen. Um, <laughs> so, being in program for, for so long, what what keeps you coming back? What makes you like not post or just think you've got this? Food. <laughs> I mean, that's the straight up answer, yeah. right? Yeah. Food. I mean. Have you seen him eat chicken? <laughs> Seven or eight years ago, uh, my sponsor said to me, you're going to program, but you're not working a program. So I told him to shove it up his ass, and then I acknowledged the validity of what he was saying. And for about, I'm guessing, three or four, five years, I called him five days, six days, five days a week and saw him here. And that's changed. But um, about that same time, I wound up praying one day and something told me to get a food sponsor. I have not missed one meal, one bite of food, whenever that was, seven, eight years ago, with some woman that takes my food and comments about it two, three times a month, maybe. It's just being accountable or to Michael, or Michael Blanc's thing about the sharing with another human being the exact nature of my food. I, have a, I wasn't writing very much because I wasn't calling my sponsor very much. And one day, one of my sponsees was reading me his writing. And I had a brainstorm. I said, would you mind if I read and write in the same way you are and read it to you every morning? So now, every, six days a week, I talk to him. And I have been talking to him for, I don't know, 25 years. And he reads mine to me, and I read to him. So that's what keeps me fresh. I keep coming to this meeting. I keep pontificating about not doing it on Zoom. Zoom is for people who can't get to a meeting. And there's so many legitimate people at this meeting who can't get to a meeting. Health, uh, mobility, uh, but, but I can. And for me to turn off the camera or to stay home in my pajamas is bullshit. It's not recovery for me.
So I got to because I know the price of not. The, what do they call it? The, uh, the uh, gift of desperation. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I'll finish that story. He was supposed to call me at some certain time, like 7 o'clock in the morning. He calls me at 7 3 and said, and I said, I told you to call me at 7. Now, this is when he had like 30 years of absence. I said, just, are you supposed to call me at 7? He had some cockamamie bullshit story about totally. like, well, blah, blah, blah. Is it really that important? Go like, I told you to call me at 7. So if you want me to be your sponsor, you call me at 7 when I told you to call me at 7. Don't call me at 7.03 with some excuse why you couldn't call me at 7. And, and I everybody I've sponsored from that day on has gotten the benefit of the wisdom that I would not have had otherwise. Everything is in, I, I couldn't, I did, it's all bullshit. Just own the truth. I didn't want to. My disease took, I don't care what the truth is, but that's what I want. Tell me the truth and I'm, and I'm with you. Lie to me and you're wasting your time and mine. There, there was a, I was speaking at this convention in Wisconsin many years ago. And there's a woman there that had 18 years of weight and measured abstinence. Weight and measured. And I, am, I'm a moderate mealer. And I had like 20, 30 something years of abstinence. And I was feeling less than because she had weighed and measured abstinence. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, you know, like I'm, maybe I should wait. I mean, because I'm a, I'm a closet gray sheeter or I'm a, a aspiring gray sheeter. Like that's what I want to be able to do. But the fact of the matter is no. I, I mean, I have this social life. I have this life that goes out and I go to restaurants and all this stuff. I'm not bringing a skill. So the bottom line is I, I called her and it was like, she said, I said, I'm not working in a really good program, which I've said that to several sponsors many times. And they all laugh and say, that's bull, you're full of shit. And just move on. Um, and so uh, I, I, so then after I was able to approach this woman, go like, is it really like that one green bean over? Like, is that, like really you had one green bean more than you committed? She said, it's not the green bean. It's the breaking of the commitment. And that's the most, imp- that's the reason why it's important that we aware of that. And I was once going to write an inventory. I, I got this new sponsor 40, 30 something years ago. And she's going to write an inventory on the, on the deadly sins. And I'm thinking, like, she's a Catholic. She's like a kindergarten teacher. And I'm talking to her about this man. I'm having the issues with um, dating in, in Long Beach and blah, blah, blah. And she's having me write the seven deadly sins. And I'm going, like, what the fuck do I need to write this on this, this, this Christian? You know, so, but the thought occurred to me that if I, if I let, if I don't keep that commitment, which commitment do I stop breaking? And I saw a direct relationship between the commitment to, to make writing this inventory, because I said I would write the inventory, to me breaking my absence. It was a direct link. And that was a revolutionary idea for me. I didn't want to believe any of that. And yet I found out at probably about, th- I didn't know until the year 25 that amends was not about apologizing. I really didn't get that. No fault of his. You notice I didn't refer to you as my sponsor today because I've changed that. But you did, so I'm okay. Um, so I well, didn't realize. Well, I, I know I do. I, I, I didn't realize that, that it means changing, if you look up the word. It means changing. So to argue about commitment, no, don't use the word commitment. If you're not going to call, that's fine. But don't tell me you're going to call make a commitment because that's a dishonesty. And there's a good quote, which I can, I've given you before, but page 482 of the third edition, not the current edition, about honesty. And she says very clearly, it's the hardest, it'll be the easiest for me to understand because it's the exact opposite of what I, I've always done all my life. 
but it'll never be, I'll never be totally honest. That would make me perfect in God, and I'm not, I'm neither. But it's something to work on and work on and work on. It's a process. I'm not going anywhere, hopefully. Okay, we should take another question. Me? No, her. <laughs> Make it quick. Gathering my thoughts, I'm a healthy composer over here. And to really leave said something that really hit a home with me and made me both of you way in on how do you give up the fact that you had a horrible upbringing and how do you say, now I'm going to be the best I can be? It doesn't serve me. It's a repeated question. Right, so we want to know, like, okay, so how do you let go of that, that horrible childhood and how do you. Just go like, okay, I'm going to put that behind me. I mean, I think that's kind of it. Just put it and, and, and come back to the, come back to right here, right now, and get out of the friggin' past. Um, so I was begrudging being a 300 pound fat kid. And my sponsor, when I was relatively new, said, You will come to love that 300 pound fat kid because he kept you uh, alive. So you become the man you became. I was told once that you cannot call it suicide, you must call it murder because you will murder the person you're going to become the man you're going to become. And so those were very profound words for me. It's also now, it's like, literally, it doesn't serve me. When I want to bring up the past and like, oh, look, look what happened. Like, why? Like, like I'm going to go like, really, really terrible? Like, get over your cheap self. You have a fabulous, wonderful life. Or you can look back at the past and go like, yeah, because of that, I mean, I, 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 I mean, it's like, literally, you let go of the past. And letting go of the past doesn't mean like, oh, that never happened. I don't know what, no. It's like, yeah, I was called a fat-ass kid. The other, the other day, my brother mentioned something about some real estate deal we had. And it brought up a thing about my, fa- my stepfather, who would tell my mother, would, they were drunks, and they would say, um, you and your fat-ass kids get out of my house. You and like, like literally, you would like, you know, shove it up your ass. I mean, all that type of stuff. That was what I grew up with. Like, you know, there was, there was, it was pretty bad. I mean, it, I mean, there's a lot more stories in, in OA. But there's always a lot more stories, right? Because you compare despair, I guess I could compare it to like, oh, life wasn't that bad. You know, or like, oh my God, it's worse than this. But the bottom line is that I can either live right here, right now, or I can live in the past. Or I can fantasize about the future. And neither one is going to serve me well. Because I have found peace today. I come up with a mantra every day for, uh, for some people. And the mantra today was um, the, willingness to be, the willingness to be uh, serene comes from me. Right? The willingness to be serene comes from me. Now, I have to turn over to my higher power and go like, okay, God, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to do all that. But the willingness to let go of the past has to come from me. And I'm willing to let go of the past so I can live in a very happy, joyous, free moment today. And real quick, to look at the, uh, the, uh, the promises. It doesn't answer the question, but it, it kind of addresses the question. If I work my program right, whatever that means, I will not... Re- it says, I, will, I thought that was an idiotic promise. I want to forget that shit. Program says, we will not regret the past door, we should close the door on it. For all the reasons he said, if it wasn't for that... So I didn't have the solution and the life the preserver of eating. I'd have suicided before I was 20. So, I mean, 
gratitude, sometimes I actually feel that. I don't have to. The promise says, I'm not going to want to forget that stuff. It's part of my history. I'm afraid that's all we have time for.